How are you doing there? Good morning and welcome to the papers. It's Monday the 8th of January 2024. Yes, that was, that was task number one. It's 2024, not 2023. I hope uh, this finds you well this morning. I hope you're in good form. I hope you've had a nice weekend and happy new year to you. It is exactly 6.35am as I begin recording this, just to let you know. It's a pretty cold, but um, fresh. Fresh would be appropriate. Cold, but fresh morning here in Salford. It's the papers. We'll look at the front pages first, starting with the Financial Times. The headline reads, Investigators probe Boeing safety after mid-air crisis. Investigators probe Boeing safety after mid-air crisis, I'm sure you've come across this story by now. So the Financial Times leading on the United States investigation into how a piece or a section of a new Boeing 737 Mark 9 jet, which was being operated by Alaska Airlines, it blew out mid-flight on Friday. So the Times, Financial Times says airlines in Turkey and Panama have now grounded their planes for inspection too. That's the Financial Times. The front page of the I, ministers urged to act as flood risk lingers for thousands. So flooding in England, dominating some front pages, including the I newspaper, which says the government is being accused of a slow response on drainage and flood defences. Yes, dredge, dredge. I see the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has been defending his government's record on flood defences, saying we've spent billions on putting flood defences, you know, at the forefront of our thinking each winter. Yes, but just dredge. All you've got to do is dredge. Just dredge. And when you dredge, you don't get flooding, but they don't dredge. There's the Daily Star headline, Oh, Snowballs, Big Freeze is on the way. The Daily Star is forecasting a 12-day chill and it's forecasting whiteouts. Amber weather warnings. Just as I left the living room and the warmth of the living room for the relative cool of the studio, Sky News was was warning listeners that there is an amber weather alert. It's all become very, very dystopian. What happened to days of yore when you would have your news bulletin at 6pm and at the end of it you'd have the weather and the weather person would say there's some snow coming in the coming days and that would be the end of that. It's all very weird now. Uh, The Metro Post Office victims will get justice. Again, you might be following this. You may have watched the ITV drama based on the wrongful conviction of hundreds of sub-postmasters here in the UK, wrongfully convicted for fraud and stealing money. It's called uh, the Horizon Scandal. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has declared the victims of of this will will get justice. Postmasters went to prison wrongfully for stealing money when when it was a a big IT problem, and uh, the 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 postmasters and sub postmasters were entirely innocent all along. Like I said, there is an ITV drama, 
And as far as I understand, a former head of the Royal Mail, somebody who's retired now and was conferred with the honour of CBE, there's been a petition launched online and a million signatories, a million people are demanding that the CBE is removed from the person who ran the post office during this particular scandal. It's a woman, but her name escapes me right now. It's not that important. It is, of course, if you are caught up in it. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not so important for you or for me. The Guardian, top Tory, says party faces obliteration in election. It is 2024 now. There will be a general election this year. And as sure as today is Monday, Labour will form either it will win a landslide or it will form the next government in coalition. Labour is coming in and that's the end of it. So the Guardian is quoting Tory MP Danny Kruger, who says, yes, his party faces obliteration because he says the public believes things have gotten worse in the 13 years the Tories have been in power. Remember, in 2010, after Labour had been in for 13 years, the Tories came in with the Lib Dems in coalition. That is right, until 2015, when the Tories won a majority with David Cameron. Yes, the Times, mental ill health driving surge in disability claims. We'll come back to that in a minute. That's the front page of the Times of London, the Daily Mirror. Together we must end this horror now, is the front page headline. There is a photograph of the actor Idris Elba, and he's going to throw himself into a campaign to try and end knife crime in the UK and in London. As the Daily Telegraph, there is a photograph of Keir Starmer um, standing in goal, playing football somewhere. He's got goalkeeping gloves on him. And the photograph isn't very flattering. And it is captioned, the photograph, with safe pair of hands, question mark. Doesn't look like he's a very good goalkeeper. Of course, the Daily Telegraph is a Conservative Party supporting newspaper. Um, but the headline is Khan bows to unions over tube strikes. The Telegraph claims that the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, bowed to rail unions by offering them a bumper pay deal to avoid tube strikes. Okay. Um, the Telegraph also quotes a lawyer for victims of Jeffrey Epstein on the front page. Uh, a lawyer for the victims. He's urging the FBI to release CCTV footage which might show the Duke of York, the brother of the King of England or the King of Britain or the King of whatever, at Epstein's mansion. Those were the front pages of the papers this Monday, January 8th. Let's look inside them. So the Times front page then, millions more will claim disability benefits as mental illness soars. Two million more people will be claiming disability by the end of the decade as mental health problems help to push the cost to taxpayers up by more than 50%. Official forecasts predict that spending on disability benefits will rise by £17 billion a year to £48 billion in current prices. There are warnings that spending is running out of control. Depression and anxiety are now the leading reasons for adults to receive such benefits and the ageing population 
means that more people are also struggling with joint and back pain. You heard that. Depression and anxiety are now the leading reasons for adults receiving such benefits. I've said once or twice on the radio show, the Richie Allen show, once or twice I've said that I myself, despite having some understanding of what happened in the last three years and why it happened, and I've been able to put it into context, the overall context of the plans for humanity. So even though I understand what happened in the last three years and why and how it plays into Agenda 2030 and the Great Reset, despite knowing all of that, I have found myself in a bit of a state of shock. So for those who had no clue about Agenda 2030 or the Great Reset or the technocratic dystopian um, society that they've been building for decades now, if you knew none of that and you were blissfully unaware of such plans for humanity and you were going about your business labouring under the misapprehension that your leaders really had your best interests at heart. Imagine what it's done to you the last three years. The financial pain that you've endured. The shock of being told to stay at home. The shock at being coerced into taking a vaccine. You know, the shock at learning you might lose your job if you refuse to take said vaccine. All of this stuff, right, has had a, obviously a very detrimental effect on the psyche of the nation. If you could say, if you could claim, if one could claim that there is a psyche, that countries have a national psyche. I'm not sure they do, but that's about the best way I have of explaining it. Of course, there is a huge increase in people suffering with anxiety and mental health problems because they have been shocked to their very foundation, particularly in the last three years. They've been awoken somewhat to tyranny and to the fact that those they believed um, had their best interests at heart actually don't. And that's a big issue. And it is a particular problem for children. So that's a worrying story in the Times, the front page. Now, the Telegraph inside East London Borough accused of criminal offences over Palestinian flags. So what's this? So an East London borough led by a controversial mayor has been accused of multiple criminal offences over its failure to take down Palestinian flags. Yeah. Lawyers have written to the Met Police over the pr proliferation of flags as well as posters and stickers with alleged, allegedly inflammatory messages in Tower Hamlets. And they've named the mayor, it's Lutfur Rahman, the mayor of Tower Hamlets, had previously been barred from public office for five years for corruption, but having served his ban, was voted back into the post in May 2022. Good old Telegraph. Getting it in very early there that the guy had been banned from, from running for office because of some corruption issue in the past. What has it got to do with the Palestinian flags and the messages? Nothing, I would argue. But there you go. The article continues, Tower Hamlets, which is one of the largest proportions of Muslims of any locality, excuse me, of any local authority in the UK, has witnessed a huge proliferation of Palestinian flags flown from lampposts across the borough. 
Rachman has huge support among the local Muslim community, which saw him set up a new party that defeated the Labour incumbent. But a group of lawyers supportive of Israel. How could you support Israel? What is there to support like? But anyway, these lawyers supportive of Israel has written to Scotland Yard asking the force to intervene. They believe the council is in breach of planning laws in allowing the flags to remain in place. Yeah. They're worried about flags, these lawyers supportive of Israel. They're not too concerned, it seems, about the 25,000 Palestinians who've had their bodies blown to pieces by the Israeli Air Force and the IDF in the last uh, three months. No, not too worried about that. And the more than 10,000 children murdered by the State of Israel. No, no, but, but you should take your flags down. Also in the Telegraph, stop following old COVID rules and send sniffly kids to school, parents to be told. So parents will be told to stop the COVID-era practice of keeping children off school with sore throats and runny noses as part of a government push to tackle soaring absenteeism. A nationwide marketing campaign is being launched today aimed at convincing parents to ensure their children go to all classes under the strapline Moments Matter, Attendance Counts. As the number of secondary school children persistently absent in England has doubled in the last decade, from 567,000 in 2010 to 894,444 in 2021. Both the Tory government and the Labour Party are this week outlining their differing approaches to how to bring down absenteeism at school. As the government is doubling the number of attendance hubs who give best practice advice to other schools and expanding a mentor scheme championed by the charity Bernardo's. Very good. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier on. This is gaslighting. You know, they terrorise children with messaging like, don't kill granny. Didn't they? They terrorise children by programming them into believe that a runny nose or a tickly cough could spell certain death for somebody you might encounter. So lock yourself away. So they told them this, they programmed them with this garbage. And now they're telling them, ah, don't worry about a runny nose, don't worry about a cough, get back to school. It's mental torture, really, I know that. Might sound a bit glib, but it is, isn't it? Anyway, speaking of, um, no, not speaking of mental torture, let's move to The Guardian. And by the way, it's now 6.50 in the a.m. as I record this. Because you never know what might happen between the time I post it and the time you hear it. We could have all manner of, of um, fuckery, I suppose, happening between now and then. This is a very important article. Shortly after I broke for the Christmas holiday, there was a story out of Montpellier. In fact, maybe not shortly after. I think I might have mentioned this on the very final Papers podcast of 2023. The announcement out of Montpellier in France that there would be fare-free public transport for everybody, regardless of your age or your mobility status. Okay, permanently. If you want to jump on a tram 
where you want to jump on a bus in Montpellier, you will not pay forevermore. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Well, maybe it isn't. So this is the editorial in The Guardian today. Listen up. Listen up. Something, excuse me, I've just had a drink. Something I predicted, and I'm not the greatest now when it comes to prophesizing. Like, we kind of know where this is meant to go. We know where humanity, we know the plans they, this is the grand they with the capital T, have for humanity. But the finer details sometimes surprise us. Sometimes. But I've prophesized the public transport thing, and I've said this in the past. I've said that in the in the near future, they would make public transport free to everybody. So let me read you the editorial in today's Guardian. Fair, free public transport, good for people, as well as the planet, is the headline. So let me read it, because it's... Um, This is where it's all going. For residents of Montpellier, the new year has brought new travel possibilities. Since just before Christmas, locals have been able to sign up for a free pass to the entire bus and tram network in France's seventh largest city. The majority of a population of 300,000 have, not surprisingly, taken up the offer. Yet the city council is not presenting this as largesse on its part. Rather, says its head of transport, Julie Fresh, it is making the change because mobility is a right. Slowly but surely, the dial on public transport policy across Europe is shifting. According to The Guardian, the pandemic and the apparently long-term change to working patterns it triggered has played a part as has the cost-of-living crisis. Prior to both, the environmental need to rely less on cars had already begun to chip away at long-standing assumptions about how we get around. So you see there in this Guardian, this is the Guardian's editorial. So prior to the pandemic, there was an environmental need to rely less on cars, and this had begun to change assumptions about how we get around. So that thinking about how we need to change how we get around was already there, but it has been expedited, according to The Guardian, by the pandemic and the cost of living crisis. So the article goes on to say, in 2013, Tallinn, the Estonian capital, became the largest city in the world to introduce fare-free public transport financed by the city's resident tax. Luxembourg's 640,000 citizens became entitled to the same in 2020. In France, the Observatory of Cities with Fare-Free Transport estimates that 43 towns and cities now offer at least some access without charge. So it's happening quickly in Europe. What about England? Well, The Guardian writes, In England... The sense of transport as public good was lost amid the late 20th century drive to privatise the bus and train networks, subsidising operators rather than passengers along the way. But even here, change is in the air. Liverpool City Region is set to emulate Greater Manchester 
in moving to take buses back under public control. Following a public consultation, West Yorkshire Combined Authority may follow suit. Yeah. The Guardian writes, this is politically smart. Various studies have pointed out that moves to restrict car usage achieve more reliable results in cutting congestion, carbon emissions and pollution. But the politics of the green transition needs pull as well as push factors to ensure popular consent and change lifelong habits, while inculcating new ones in young people. Reconceiving public transport as a common good similar to health, education and other services can become part of the wider cultural reset that is the task of our times. Whoopity wow. Whoopity wow. So there you have it, right? There needs to be a cultural reset and a changing of lifelong habits to get people out of their cars. And one of the ways to do this is to take transport back into public control, but not for the reasons that old socialists like your presenter here, Richie Allen, would have outlined, would have claimed. We would have said over the years, public transport should never be privatised. It should be run by the people and for the people. At a low charge, okay? It should be, people should be charged, but something they can afford. It should be a very small charge. Getting a bus into town, getting a train from Manchester to London should be affordable to everybody is what we would have said. And any surplus income then should be should be used to fund other important projects, house building and whatnot, and other projects, you know, the things that, that governments need to do um, to keep the, 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 the trains running, to keep the water flowing out of our taps and, and all of that. So that's what the old socialists would have said. The people should own these assets, these valuable assets, the transport networks. They should not be privatised. They should be affordable and any extra money should be pumped back into public services. That's what I meant. But now they're saying, let's take public trans... Let's take... Let's take transport, the buses, the trams and the trains, back under public control. Let's do that. But not for the greater good, really. No. So that we can ultimately force people out of their cars because of the threat of climate change. It's all happening now. And it will speed up when the Labour Party uh, assumes power, which will undoubtedly happen sometime this year, probably in the early autumn. But don't quote me on that. It could happen as soon as the late spring. Amazing that in The Guardian today. Watch that one closely. There's a ridiculous story in the Mail Online, which I was going to read, but I won't, about how COVID is on the way back. The Mail quotes Professor Sir Andrew Pollard from Oxford. He's a professor of infection and immunity at Oxford Uni. Says there will be a rise in infections in the population over the course of the next week. More fear-mongering, more drip, drip, drip. He talks about a highly infectious variant of COVID-19 called JN.1. We'll leave that one alone. And also in the Mail Online, and this made the headlines, it made the front pages of some papers today, is that story about how CCTV 
footage from Jeffrey Epstein's mansion might show Prince Andrew, and that's according to Spencer Coven. Spencer Coven is an attorney who represents nine of Epstein's victims, and he wants police in the US to release video from home surveillance cameras, and this, of course, follows the release of records detailing Andrew's links to Epstein. And that's uh, pretty much the best of what's inside the newspapers here in the UK today. Shall I have a quick look at the BBC News website, shall I? What is it leading with? Well, the Golden Globes, funnily enough, the Golden Globes ceremony took place in Los Angeles last night. It's just finished, in fact, as I record this. Oppenheimer did well. That'd be Killian Murphy, wouldn't it? And Robert Downey Jr. That's uh, Irish Killian Murphy, of course. Barbie did well. Uh, the TV show Succession did well, too. Uh, there's a story about Idris Elba. We talked about that. The actor who's uh, working or wants to work to try and end or tackle knife crime here in the UK and in London. Palestinians must be able to stay in Gaza, according to Anthony Blinken, the US Secretary of State. Uh, He's been speaking overnight. He's on a tour of the Middle East. That's uh, getting some coverage by uh, the BBC this morning. What else is there? Not a lot, really, that will motivate you this morning. So I think we might say... That is the papers for this day, Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. And it is my mission this week not to say 2023 by mistake. I I probably will. Now you'll catch me later on today at 4 o'clock UK time on the live Richie Allen show. I look forward to seeing you there. I look forward to your company. So until then, have a fantastic Monday. Stay warm, it's bloody cold out there. Bye for now.